A Coming of Wizards by Michael E. Reynolds Throughout this book, there are graphics that play a big part in the explanation of the concepts. These graphics are available in the Earthship app and at earthship.com. Thank you. Chapter 4 The Coming of the Wizards A Word About Magic Real magic is neither manipulation nor has power over anything. It is an alignment with power, the power of natural, unarguable phenomenon. Humans can achieve this alignment only by stepping out of dogma. Outside of dogma, mind executes another, far more fluid reality not subject to the limits of the human condition. This reality is available to what we call the subconscious. The conscious is the hypnotic state of being into which the swarm of humanity has evolved as a result of its shell of dogma. This shell is dense, limiting and confining and requires and allows only a shallow portion of mind to manifest. We call the shallow portion of mind conscious. Only when we are detached from dogma can we reach the deeper subconscious. It is the subconscious which deals in magic. As a result of our introverted evolution, for example, the fact that we live and grow within the confines of a shell of dogma, our attachment to the shallow portion of mind called conscious has developed to a greater degree than that of the deeper subconscious. In fact, the subconscious has been very much squelched these days. This is most unfortunate because the subconscious, not being subject to dogma, is rooted deeply in the very sources of our existence and is therefore a reservoir of power. What the subconscious wants, it gets. It is the subconscious that is capable of organizing energy. The conscious simply manipulates matter. However, the subconscious is not allowed to surface in our society except in dreams or what we call the insane. Insane is the state of not being sane. Sane is the state of mind of the majority. Voluntarily entering a state of insanity takes great strength and courage. For us, magic is basically the art of allowing the subconscious to prevail over the conscious. I say art because those involved in magic who do not have it down to an art usually get locked up or crucified. The art of magic weaves organized energy into the swarm of humanity in a way that can cause the swarm to evolve without being aware of it. This allows the swarm access to medicine that is simply unacceptable to existing dogma, which in turn brings about silent revolution and expanded evolution. Magic is the uninhibited will of the subconscious. The subconscious is the stage for intuition. Intuition is the voice of the energy band. The coming of wizards. The wizards came as four entities in a pillar of fire. It was late afternoon and I was lying in a pyramid on my back. I was relaxing and drifting. I remember a swirling purple and red misty haze began to fill my vision. There was a lot of turbulence. 
Out of the swirling mist, a pillar of fire began to materialize. It burned and glowed stable and strong in the middle of the turbulent red and purple mist. On top of the pillar of fire, I began to see four distinct colors of flame. Then a white glow began to appear in the middle of each color of flame. These white glows each began to emanate a presence, first weak, then getting stronger and stronger. At this point, I knew something was happening, but it was so beautiful and exciting, I forgot to be afraid. I knew the presence in the colored flames was four different entities. They all spoke to me in unison without words. The opposite message was communicated. Then they simply said they were wizards and each would speak to me individually. The experience was so vivid, beautiful and intense that I never even slightly questioned the validity of it or the content of the messages. As a matter of fact, the message of the wizards is growing in validity with every day of my life. The following pages relay the message of the wizards. Believe in the pieces of magic you found. Believe in the intuitive voices that sound. Stand outside yourself and channel your deeds, and you will have eyes that see. Forget all the dogma that rots in your brain. Close your eyes wide, and they'll open again. Behind the dense foliage of human knowledge lies the clearing of intuition. Naivete is an arrow that penetrates dogma. I went insane because I had a lot of things I wanted to see. And as I went insane, there was a coming of a new being inside of me. It didn't know of money and it didn't know of time, but it spoke in every language and it spoke in every sign. It's the wizard in my mind. This wizard is a leopard and it stalks inside my head like it was home and it says it owns my shadow, and it seems like I'll never be alone. It took my hand and took my heart and took my memory, and it took me to Uranus, and it took me there to see. The neon lights of Broadway, the screeching cars on the highway, the bleeding hearts on the byway, and the plastic cards and letters from the whole universe. The First Wizard The first wizard told me about time and motion and magic. It used the example of a toy top that spins. The top is painted in two different colors. While the top is motionless, these two colors appear as two individual spaces on the surface of the top. When the top begins to spin, the two colors blend into one color. Time and motion took the two colors on the surface of the top and made them one. The wizards, however, say that time and motion must be applied to the observer rather than what is being observed. In this respect, time and motion not only change the vantage point, they create a situation where the vantage point is no longer a point but a line circling around the object being observed, for example, an orbit. Consequently, what is being observed, being abstract, conceptual or physical, is much more thoroughly examined and finally much more fully understood. Wizards have developed the ability to orbit. Fixed humans cannot maneuver or orbit. Their vision 
comes from a fixed position. Learn to recognize and observe strength, then be it. The second wizard. The second wizard told me about the application of maneuverability. An example involving violence was used. Imagine you're driving in the wide open salt flats of Utah. Way in the distance, you can see an obstacle. Because you can maneuver the car, you can obviously avoid it with little effort. This maneuverability and the fact that the wide openness of the salt flats allows you to see things long before you encounter them gives you complete control over what you do and do not encounter. Violence in one's lifespan is as easy to deal with as the obstacle in the salt flats if one can see and maneuver. This ability to see and maneuver in space and time, not just on Earth, must be developed. Many people and groups of people are against violence. They do not have the vision nor the maneuverability to totally steer clear of it, so they get to it and stop. Their energy is blocked by the obstacle. Often, people who believe in violence smash right through the obstacle. This is usually damaging in some way. War, for instance. If they could have seen the obstacle from a distance and were aware of their maneuverability in space and time, they could have made their way without ever encountering the obstacle. Imagine how much maneuverability one has in the salt flats of Utah as compared to the usual ribbon of highway. The potential maneuverability in space and time as compared to living and dealing with time in sequence and space from one vantage point is infinitely more than this. This is not a method of avoiding violence. It is a method of making violence non-existent in one's path. This is much easier said than done. It involves development of vision and maneuverability. This in turn involves development of self-energy, which comes from immaculate concentration. No maneuverability is like being trapped on a highway. One meets obstacles that block the way. Maneuverability is like being on the salt flats. The way is bigger than the obstacle. The third wizard. The third wizard used another basic example for the explanation of maneuverability and introduced the use of distance. Imagine standing in front of a huge building, a complicated building, like an air terminal or a cathedral. You're almost consumed by the building as you look up and to both sides and still can see all of it. You could get lost in it. You have no feeling for what it is totally like. You can only see one elevation. Now, walk all the way around this building, once, twice, three times. Each time, you see and understand more. You now have a feeling for the nature and scope of the entire building. Now imagine you could go up and over the top of the building, down the other side, into the ground and under the building, and back up to where you started. Imagine all that you would see and absorb in doing this once, twice, three times. You now have the total exterior of the building inside your head as a result of your orbiting around it in two different orbits. The more different orbits you take and the more times you orbit, the better you understand the building 
and the more clearly it exists in your head. Now, apply distance to these orbits. The greater distance you are from the building in your orbit, the more you see in terms of how the building relates to what is around it, and the more total picture you get. The closer you are to it in your orbit, the more detail you observe with respect to the building itself. Both orbits with respect to distance are enlightening in a different way. This is the orbit of self-observation and life-observation for fixed humans. The threshold of cosmic travel awaits the development of maneuverability. Maneuverability is a specific organization of human energy. The Eastern way of thinking rather consists in a circling round the object of contemplation, a many-sided, multidimensional impression formed from the superimposition of single impressions from different points of view. By Lama Govinda The Fourth Wizard I was asleep in a little dome I had made as a bedroom out on the mesa. I woke up to notice a red light and with it a presence outside the dome. It seemed like a somewhat oppressive communication of some type. I was not afraid. I got out of bed, went outside and confronted it so directly that the presence and the light left. I got back in bed. Very shortly after, I noticed a yellow light and presence inside the dome. This time, I experienced fear, because both the light and the presence were more intense, and they were right inside the dome with me. My heart began beating so fast, it became like a buzzing motor in my chest. There was an intense buzzing in my head, too. With the buzzing in my heart and in my head, the yellow light, the fear, became quite intense. I could, I found, overpower the fearful situation as it crescended. I considered waking my wife and telling her something was happening to me. The yellow light was concentrated before my eyes, not all over like the red one. In the center of the yellow light was a white glow. The white glow was the presence, a very strong presence. It didn't occur to me at the time But this was very much like the wizard experience I had three years before, where four wizards came, but only three actually communicated with me. After three years, I was communicating with the fourth wizard. The heart buzzing, the buzzing sound of my head, the yellow light and presence all came and faded relative to the intensity of my fear. I remember thinking I must be having some kind of attack. The buzzing was simply overtaking my body. Just when I was ready to lose it, I got a grip on the situation enough to relate it to other similar past experiences. Then it occurred to me to rise above the fear. Fear had appeared to be a barrier in my past experiences. I remember saying to myself, go with it, go with it. And I did. The fear was gone. Everything, the buzzing in my heart and head, The light and the presence increased to an intensity that I wouldn't allow before. I was totally going for it. There was no turning back. Then, in the middle of the white inside the yellow light, the image of a face came. It materialized and changed until it became quite clear. 
I received a message without words from the image. The message was something like, okay, now that I have reached you, I'll be back. Then everything was gone. I slept. I realized later this was the fourth wizard. My choice to dissolve fear made the message of the fourth wizard available to me. For the next several months, I wrote and drew diagrams almost automatically. This material is presented in the following pages. Fear is a barrier beyond which lies eternity. Anytime things get too weird, I pretend that I just arrived on the scene. This gives me no reference for fear. The fourth wizard has spoken. It waited three years after the others. One stage of growth has to correlate with information one receives. The information is there all the time. One simply has to grow strong enough to climb high enough out of dogma, fear, and so on to see it. The higher you can go in our limited physical reality, the farther you can see. Consider yourself a hot air balloon. Now cut the ropes of fear and dogma that anchor you to the ground. Release and relax. No effort. Nature will take you to the heights from which you can see. But you must first cut the ropes. Spherical vision. The type of vision we are accustomed to using could be called vector vision, a line or array of interaction involving both magnitude and direction. The magnitude of the vision vector relates to how much of the observer's attention is focused on that which is being observed. There is both an observation and a creation going on simultaneously in the interaction. If the observer can maneuver in a single simple orbit, the observation or awareness attains dimension. The line of interaction becomes a field of interaction. The connection between the observer and that which is being observed is obviously much greater here. Now consider the added dimension of two orbits. Now consider four orbits. The interaction between the observer and that which is being observed is looking more like a system. Consider eight orbits, four close and four distant. Notice the spheres being formed by the orbits. An infinite number of orbits around that which is being observed results in a sphere being formed around the object. Likewise, an infinite number of spheres will be possible due to the varying distances from the object. A graphic analogy of the results is a gaseous sphere around the object being observed, every particle of which is the eye of the observer. This is the basic concept of spherical vision. Through this process vision becomes interaction. Interaction is the pulse of the universe. Expanded interaction results in a non-local type of awareness. We are talking about cosmic travel, into a rock, into the body of a bird, into the mind of a human, into the depths of the universe. The Nature of Wizards Wizards are a link between human dogma and unarguable phenomenon. Another way of saying this is wizards are a link between us and raw energy, the us and the big us. They can exist in our dogmas 
our realities with us and actually be with us. They can also be raw energy unhampered by human dogma. They have mastered spherical vision to the point of interaction with unarguable phenomenon. The ability of wizards to interact with both of us and unarguable phenomenon makes them a link between us and raw energy. Through interaction with us, they stretch, expand, awaken and excite us. They are the force that causes the baby chick to begin breaking out of the egg. They excite us to the point of breaking out of our egg and evolving in step with the process of our planet. Our planet doesn't have a dogma, so it evolves with the process of the universe, which are simply the patterns of raw energy. Evolution, a continuous breaking out of one reality into another process, is our available path toward raw energy. Wizards are a force behind evolution. We tend to get trapped by our dogmas in a three-dimensional reality governed by a linear concept of time. Wizards can come there with us to a particular reality, but they also can travel back and forth between all realities, as well as between all realities and raw energy. For a normalized human to become a wizard, he, she must denormalize. Denormalization occurs naturally when one totally surrenders to one's energy band. Find it, learn to recognize it, and be it. It is like finding the real current in a river as opposed to drifting in the still, sometimes stagnant waters which are part of the river but not part of the real current. There is much more power in the real current. Likewise, there is much more power in one's energy band. With this power from the energy band, one can break out of dogma and learn to maneuver and ultimately master the concept of spherical vision. The interaction with unarguable phenomenon and finally raw energy is possible. Early maneuvering is only from one reality to another, like a baby first walking from a chair to a couch. Later, maneuvering takes place in the matrix between realities. The matrix is the soup of which all realities are a part. Realities are eddies in the current of the universe. The current of the universe is this matrix. This is where unarguable phenomenon come from, and it's actually where raw energy can be touched or interacted with. It is like the arena of mutual participation of all realities. This matrix is without image or dogma. It is the place or anti-place where raw energy dances the dance of the universe without human limitations. It is beyond light. It is angel consciousness. We separate ourselves from this matrix and call our separateness reality. Eventually, maneuvering will cease to be necessary as the maneuvering entity realizes its ability to merge with matrix. It is at this point that non-local awareness, a kind of total awareness and unity of all, begins to prevail. At this point, wizards cease to exist. What keeps us separate is that we are afraid to cease to exist. This diagram illustrates various realities from different times and dogmas all going on at once in the matrix. These realities are penetrated by various unarguable phenomenon and wizard energy from the matrix. Wizards travel within, through 
and between realities via the matrix. Normalized humans can only travel within a reality. Realities are simply our own separations from raw energy. They exist only as long as we use them to separate us from all that is and is not. Unarguable phenomena from the matrix penetrate our realities, but we still maintain a separation from these phenomena, much the way a chicken and egg is separate from the outside world. We can maneuver outside the egg with the help of the wizard energy. Wizards can maneuver, function, dwell, and exist in all reality zones, or they can cease to exist in the matrix. Existence is only a relevant state within a reality. It has no meaning in the matrix. The ability of wizards to maneuver can be understood by observing an unarguable phenomenon from nature. Observe water, a mixture of hydrogen and oxygen. Observe air, a mixture of nitrogen and oxygen. Oxygen is the common denominator of the two. It exists in both. Wizards are a common denominator between realities and the matrix and thus can exist or cease to exist in both. Oxygen moves back and forth between air and water through evaporation and condensation. In a similar way, wizards move back and forth between realities and the matrix. There is much symbology in nature to reveal to us that we are but a form that raw energy has taken and it is our dogmas that keep us only in this form. There is the possibility of learning to maneuver away from this form, thereby using it only as a home base, rather than an absolute and only form. The unarguable phenomenon of union, marriage, mating, relationship and so on in the human dogma, is an opportunity and an inspiration for us to begin the journey away from our own individual absolute form. Physically, mating illustrates a process that results in two merging to make one. This one is both, yet neither. In mating, we leave the individual form, surrender, let go, for an instant, just long enough to conceive. Then it's back to home base, our individual selves. There's much trauma here emotionally as the merge of bodies happens, but the merge of egos rarely happens. Physically, a being is born that is part of both, but the original two egos return to home base unable to journey from the form. Egos are not roadworthy for maneuvering between realities. As a baby grows to be a child, it is carried, without choice, by nature from one reality to another, baby to child. As a child grows into an adult, it is carried without choice by nature from one reality to another, child to adult. As an adult grows, or shall we say if an, if an adult is to grow, it is by choice. At this point, nature no longer carries us. The point of choice is where we begin to be a conscious force in our own evolution. Therefore, if an adult attempts union and is afraid to maneuver away from the ego form, there is tension. The dogma of an individual adult won't work for a union. A baby ceases to exist when it becomes a child. A child ceases to exist when it becomes an adult.
the individual adult too must cease to exist to experience union. The process of taking a mate is an opportunity to continue growth, to learn to maneuver by choice from one reality to another. Thus, the various physical and emotional attractions of the mating situation are unarguable phenomenon from which we can learn maneuverability. They lure us into a dynamic situation where one learns to maneuver or one suffers. Suffering is not necessary. Maneuvering is. Learning to maneuver from the ego will result in travel between realities. This kind of travel can acquaint one with the art of ceasing to exist, which is the only way to enter the matrix. Ceasing to exist means doing away with the home base. Wizards are unattached to any home base or reality. They are free bodies. They can flow from one reality into another. They do not need cooperation, so to speak, from the other reality. If a wizard were to become red paint and consciously flow into yellow paint, the result would be orange paint. The yellow paint did not have to consciously participate in the change or evolution of orange paint. A true wizard could merge with you and all you would know is that you are different. Wizards bring about evolution of static realities through their lack of attachment to any reality. The strong forces of the unarguable phenomenon we'll call mating both impel and inspire us to learn the nature of the wizard. To let go of one reality and flow into another, not only becoming, but also evolving and changing that reality. Through the vocabulary of our dogma, the universe, via mating, encourages us to learn what we must. Isolate two realities, call one man and one woman. Nature pulls them close and impels them to learn to maneuver to and from each other. They merge or flow into each other as wizards, both changing, evolving one another, a union. In this diagram, the disc just before the hole illustrates both realities as individual parts of a single dogma. An alchemy, a transformation to wholeness, takes place when egos cease to exist. This is a result of time and motion, for example, maneuverability. Wholeness begins to shatter dogma, thus allowing us passage to the matrix, to the universe, and to God. A potential of relationship is learning to venture from the form, vanish from thyself. This flowing into one another that it can occur in a union between a male and a female, or any two individuals or entities, should not be confused with losing oneself in a relationship. Losing oneself is being a victim of the gravity of the other, like the Earth's gravity pulls in a meteorite that crashes to the surface of the planet. Consequently, and willfully venturing out of self into another under one's own power, knowing and accepting the alchemic change or evolution that will take place in both, is more like the previous example of oxygen moving from air to water. Oxygen is a significant aspect of both realities, air and water. It can actually become one or the other as a result of its ability to interact or unite with other atoms. What you see in yourself, accept in others. What you do best, share with others. 
What you can't do without, give to others. Alchemy begins. With respect to the human form, this ability to unite with others is a journey out of self and into others. It is a matter of breaking down barriers and out of dogmas. When we learn to leave self, we actually can learn to perceive through the senses of others by interaction and familiarity with them. There is actually your ear, his, her ear, and the collective ear. Every sound can be heard by many ears. Interaction broadens perception. There is specific interaction, marriage, relationship, and so on, and non-specific interaction. Non-specific interaction is like a cosmic wind that constantly erodes barriers and dogmas. Non-specific interactions can be approached as follows. The journey out of self is touched upon by many visions, concepts and religions in the human dogma. Touched upon, but rarely realized. There's an intuitive, elusive desire for us all to be one. Thus, our inherent unity shines through our dogma via intuition. The illusion of separatedness brought about by our realities and dogmas is lessened as we learn to journey out of self and into another, both as individuals and as collective bodies, such as races, countries, and so on. Specific and non-specific interaction are the beginning of the journey from reality to reality. The journey from reality to reality is the beginning of maneuvering. This is also where we really start learning to let go. Once one can easily let go of self and one reality to interact fully with another, the ice is broken on learning to let go. This letting go process reduces the attachment to any one reality, thus making it easier to make the leap into letting go of the concept of reality altogether, ceasing to exist. This is the journey into the matrix, merging with the matrix. It sounds a lot like our physical process of death. Our bodies begin decomposing, letting go, from the time of birth until they are totally decomposed back into the earth after death. We are slowly letting go of our bodies without much awareness of it. This is happening regardless of choice. The journey to the matrix is happening regardless of whether we accept it or not. The nature of wizards is simply to learn to die before we die. That is, to consciously participate in or ride, as in riding waves, unarguable phenomenon as opposed to thinking we are victims of them. Death is truly an unarguable phenomenon or pattern in the universe. It is the nature of wizards to learn to recognize universal patterns and then surrender to or ride these patterns. Fighting or resisting these patterns is like resisting death. Resisting death just makes you miserable while you are alive. Imagine the difference between riding the waves of the ocean as opposed to resisting them. We cannot resist the patterns of the universe. Therefore, we must join them and ride them. Our problem as humans is that we don't even recognize most of them. So we find ourselves often trying to paddle upstream, caught in an impossibly strong current, simply because 
we aren't even aware that paddling downstream is an option. This diagram illustrates some realities decomposing into the matrix. This is happening without choice, via death. This phenomenon can also happen by choice, via consciousness. We are basically looking at a situation very similar to the previous analogy of oxygen moving between air and water. We see the evaporation and condensation of realities. This is a pattern of the universe. If we surrender to and write this pattern, we will come to the place where death and birth meet and we will learn to die before we die. We will venture into the matrix knowing the matrix condenses into realities of which we will be a part. But our awareness of the pattern of evaporation and condensation of realities will keep these realities and their eventual evaporation in a proper perspective. Thus, we can ride the waves of the universe. This is the nature of the wizards. Riding Universal Energy Patterns A growing baby practices walking in the living room at home to gain the confidence necessary to walk in the outside world as an adult. Likewise, evolving adult humans can practice riding universal energy patterns in our immediate reality to gain the confidence necessary to venture into other realities, the universe at large and eventually the matrix itself. Just as walking is an eventual method of maneuvering for the baby, energy riding is an eventual method of maneuvering for the human adult. Our reality, our dogma, is simply our egg or incubation chamber in it. We develop ourselves through relating to the phenomenon, energies at hand. When we learn to ride these energies, we are ready to hatch out of our egg and maneuver around the universe. We do not want to make a career of life in the egg, lest our dogma and our one reality become crystallized. Can an eagle arrive at its full potential in the egg? If we look at the same very basic patterns of energy in our planet, our egg, such as wind, light and electricity, we can see similarities. They are all unarguable phenomena. These similarities suggest certain universal patterns regarding energy. If we became aware of these patterns and learned to write them, we gained the confidence to write energy outside of our egg. However, we seem to have a tendency to want to write around in our egg forever. Are we afraid to be born into our full potential? We are very pleased with ourselves, but we're not the ultimate evolution. With regard to this fact, humanity might just be the spark of continued growth, for example, the spark of conscious evolution itself. Wizards have a certain humility with regard to the patterns of the universe. This humility gives them the perspective they need to be free bodies capable of writing energy patterns. We humans are in fact already writing energy and have been for years. Sailboats align themselves to a natural phenomenon, the wind, and move across the waters. River rafts ride moving currents, skiers ride gravity, and so on. We are very familiar with the wind, so we will use it to outline some techniques for riding energy. It is interesting to note that we have used the phrase harnessing energy 
to describe some of our early steps as a civilization into this realm. Harnessing energy suggests that we have control over the natural phenomenon and puts us in the wrong state of mind, certainly not humility, for realizing the full potential of the situation. Again, humility is one of the secrets of the wizards. Early in our development, energies such as the wind controlled us, scared us and literally pushed us around. Now, our little egos may need to feel they are in control for a while. However, the way to ride energy to its full potential is to know the nature of the energy so that it doesn't control or harm us and to also realize that we can control it. We're talking about, about an alignment or union or merging with energy. This is the way of the wizard. Control is the way of ego. The above illustrations depict four ways we can relate to the wind. Figure one shows a form of shelter resulting in protection from the wind or resistance. Figure two shows a form of reception or acceptance which results in mobility, literally riding the wind. Figure three illustrates a technique of unification or alignment. We use this to tell us the direction of the wind. This particular way of relating to the wind minimizes the effect of the wind on the body in question. Figure 4 illustrates a method of encountering the wind, which results in a transformation of wind energy. Thus, we have four ways of relating to the wind. Resistance, acceptance, alignment and transformation. Resistance is basically avoidance not allowing any real interaction or encounter. It is the way of humans. Acceptance, alignment and transformation are methods of energy encounter. They are the way of the wizard. When we apply these four ways of relating to other familiar forms of energy, such as moving water, electricity, heat or light, we find them to work in a similar way. There are certain forms of energy that we do not understand as well as others. Moving water, for instance, is more commonly understood than light. However, if we accept the fact that all energy speaks the same language, we can relate to a particular form of energy and eventually write it whether we understand it scientifically or not. As a matter of fact, learning to write energy can help us arrive at a better scientific understanding of it. The point here is, there are universal patterns regarding the nature of energy. There are also many forms of energy that we, as yet, have not recognized as such. Resistance, acceptance, alignment and transformation are methods of relating to these patterns. Through these methods, we can write both familiar and unfamiliar forms of energy. We have thus established a key for relating to energy patterns. Since the entire universe is matter and or energy, and one can be converted to the other, we find ourselves with a key to the entire universe. Ask the baby masters walking in the living room so that he, she may someday walk in the outside world, we can master writing energy forms within our reality, our living room, our egg, so that we may eventually ride around the universe with consciousness. 
Let's explore the use of this key on a more local level, ourselves. We are energy. The massive force of the swarm of humanity can be related to with a four-sided key. It can be written. We do not have to be a victim of the movement of the swarm, nor can we control it, but we can write it. This would provide humankind with a much-needed maneuverability within their reality and consequently facilitate conscious evolution. It is our inability to appropriately relate to the tremendous collective force of ourselves as a whole that makes for narrow, inward-spiraling, introverted evolution of humanity. Let's take a single person, an outlaw, through the four methods of relating to energy. The energy of the swarm of humanity. First, the outlaw resists the law as defined by the collective ideals of humankind. He must shelter himself and hide, because he's vastly outnumbered and overpowered, just as one person is vastly overpowered by a strong wind or raging river. Shelter from the swarm and hiding are his only options, as long as resistance is his only method. Now, let's say, in order to gain mobility, he accepts the law as an existing form of energy. He then aligns with it by disguising himself as a law-abiding citizen. This allows him to thoroughly encounter it and affords him a chance to transform it and use it to his advantage, much like the windmill transforms the wind energy. Many corporate entities and politicians have already caught on to this and have been riding the swarm of humanity for years. To know real strength and power is to know the fragile space they come from. To have reigned on flowing, limitless energy is to be reigned by a wisdom, not your own. To ride the awesome chariot that travels through dimensions and time and through the souls of men is to be ridden by the very awareness of all that lies within. To gather all momentum and reach unyielding speed is to leave the sky and labor in a world that you don't need. Weave through this world a magic thread that sings the silent song, and the world will sing it too, and you will then be gone. Harnessing humanity has failed many times in history, as we have seen with slavery, dictatorships, sex, and class chauvinism, and so on. However, writing the collective energy of humanity is currently the most successful technique used by the great exploiters, such as corporations and politicians, for the manipulation of the masses. While the politicians and corporations are using these methods in a very narrow, short-sighted and egomaniac way, their obvious success, which is evidenced by the mindless sheep-like following of millions of people, illustrates in a tangible way the potential of the principles of writing energy. In order to ride any kind of energy to any place other than a dead end, one must employ spherical vision. An energy rider simply ends up a politician or a guru without the guidance of spherical vision. The one who rides human energy with spherical vision becomes an energy that everyone feels but no one votes for or worships. This facilitates a conscious evolution of the unconscious, 
and is the way of the wizard. The wizard encounters and rides the tremendous energy of the blossoming consciousness of humanity, thus bringing about its own and humanity's growth and evolution. The surfer rides on the wave, the wizard rides in it. All of the devices used by the outlaw in the above analogy were used so we would no longer be at the mercy of the law. With the appropriate perspective gained by spherical vision, all these devices can be used by us as individuals, so we need no longer be at the mercy of the swarm of humanity, the elements, the government, the Russians, the Americans, ourselves, and so on. All natural energy forms, including humanity itself, can be ridden. However, without spherical vision, the ride usually takes one right off the cliff of extinction. The development of spherical vision should occur simultaneously with the development of energy riding, just as the ability to steer an automobile must be developed simultaneously with the ability to accelerate through gears. These methods of energy riding can also be used to ride our own individual energies, such as anger, happiness, fear, and so on. This particular use is already covered in many books on self-development. It is usually called turning energy, and the concept has been beautifully presented many times over. The point is that our emotions, too, are energy. Energy that we consciously organize prior to our actually experiencing it. We can resist these energies, as we often do, or we can accept, align with, and transform them. For example, anger can be transformed into chopping wood or some other shore. Happiness can be transformed into making a good soup. Fear can be aligned with and used to penetrate through dogma to a greater awareness. And death can be accepted as a way of life. Individual humans are energy. Humanity as a whole is energy. Natural phenomenon is energy. We exist as energy in a world of energy. Why not then communicate in the native tongue just as one would live in Italy communicates in Italian? Spherical vision results in an interaction, an encounter. This kind of encounter with the natural phenomena of our planet is an approach to using the native tongue of the earth. Through this encounter, we can satisfy all the physical, emotional, and spiritual thirsts of the human form. We can simply drink straight from the limitless following streams, rivers, and seas of energy all around us. It is dogma, our separation from raw energy, that keeps us from taking this drink. As a result of this separation, Resistance is most often the way we relate to natural phenomena. We seem to expend most of the Earth's and our own physical energy protecting ourselves from, resisting, the sun, the wind, other elements, each other, and all else. Through the nature of wizards, we can learn the art of direct energy encounter with respect to all forms of energy, including ourselves. When we encounter energy directly, a transformation takes place. We transform energy, and energy transforms us. 
This is similar to the union between man and woman discussed earlier. We're talking about a union, an alchemy, of two forms of energy. This can be person to person, person to earth, or person to universe. This alchemy is a method of writing energy. Developing a rapport with a writing natural energy could save us the trauma of physically mining the earth and emotionally and spiritually mining ourselves to manufacture a synthetic energy. We presently use this synthetic energy to shelter us from the very natural energy we could be riding. We are destroying ourselves and our planet in the process of making energy when there's infinitely more than enough existing within and around us to do everything physically, mentally and spiritually that we could ever dream of. Direct encounter of universal energy patterns is a method of learning to walk here in the living room, our earth, before we venture into the outside world, the universe, the matrix. This method is tangibly applied with respect to our present day-to-day -day life through slowly leaning into direct living, outlined in the next chapter. We can learn through slowly leaning into direct living to exist in harmony with the earth. We can bring about an alchemy between ourselves and the earth and learn to ride the earth rather than exploit it at the price of eventual destruction of ourselves. Our success at riding the energy patterns of earth will give us the confidence and the ability to ride universal energy patterns that go beyond our material reality and beyond life as we know it. There are energy patterns, unarguable phenomenon, in our own reality that we must learn to ride in order to continue to exist in that reality. Direct living is an immediate, tangible approach to this energy riding and the ways of the wizard can facilitate it. Direct living can place us in a position and state of mind from which we can learn to ride energy patterns that are not even available to us in our present condition. It is these patterns that will take us into other realities, the universe and the matrix, home to God. If we consciously choose to do this, we have chosen everlasting life, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If a mountain stream had an ego, it might never make it to the ocean.